And with that, we welcome you back once again to the One Giant Podcast, where, as always, I'm Adam Armbrecht, and over there is Andy Makowitz, and he's doing well. Adam, is it is it too far away to jinx it? Is it too far away, or are we at the time where I can officially say, football is back, baby? <laughs> well, it's uh, this. we're recording this one early on Thursday morning, so maybe. You may be you may be a little bit too soon here. There's still there's still time for something to go horribly wrong. I'll tell you what, man, I didn't think that, you know, we talked about this on a couple of the episodes, right? Like I did not think that the NFL season was as automatic, let's say, as it ended up being. You you worked our way through the training camps. There wasn't a lot of incidents. I'm fairly impressed how quickly the NFL just flipped on the switch of protocols and safety precautions and testing and all those things. It's been fairly clean for the most part. And, and here we are, what, 12 hours away from, from soaking in the double header kickoff. When there's a lot of money on the line, things seem to fall in line very That's- quickly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if they're like, Oh, we got to cancel four games. They're like, no, 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 We're just going to get these misting machines in every facility in like 28 seconds that wipes away any virus that could ever exist. And you're like, wow, well, I guess money talks. So, I mean, it's to our benefit, though. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I did not think that we were going to start week one when they released the schedule that they did. I thought for sure there'd be different modifications and changes to it. The only thing we lost is preseason, which, you know, if that's the only thing we lose, then I, I feel pretty good. Yeah, the, the, just the, those game action and getting to get a sense of some of these players. I heard that the mist that they're spraying is just turpentine. It's just a turpentine <laughs> and bleach combination. They're telling the players, close your eyes. It is going to burn. And that's just how you, you, you rid yourself of any type of issues you may be having coming onto the field. Paint thinner and, and bleach. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Was that a lacquer? What do you just put wear, a lacquer just wear on goggles. Just yeah. wear goggles. Uh, so uh, this being Thursday night, obviously, we're excited that the NFL season is about to kick off before we get into because we're going to come back in here a number of times between now and Monday as far as Big Blue is concerned in that kickoff. But now we figured as all the dust has settled, everything's been finalized. As you mentioned before we got on, the official week one depth chart is now out there for the New York football Giants. So we just wanted to take a little bit of time here. Big step back, look at this roster as it's been constructed through training camp, obviously the waiver wire process as well. Some some surprising moves maybe from, from the fan base perspective as far as who's on this roster and who is not. And we just wanted to kind of say, hey, this is where we stand now, right? A couple of big moves. We know we, we talked about the Logan Ryan signing, obviously. So this team looks a little bit different even than we thought at the beginning of the offseason and going into this training camp. There's certainly some different some different positional hierarchies I'd say have shook out here for for the New York Giants yeah and and it starts with cleaning up some of the different waiver claims that came in you know our our last recording we were talking about uh some of the players that got cut from the 53 where we expected them to be and who was going to be joining the practice squad um just a little bit of house cleaning you know there's probably one or two notable names you know some were not as surprising uh, but I think we could talk about the two that seem to get, be getting the most buzz for the Giants on Twitter. First one is linebacker Ryan Connolly, who was waived by the Giants. Um, a lot of social media was not happy about it because most Giant fans remember the two games that Ryan Connolly played, and he was a disruptor and you know, was all over the field, fumbles, interceptions. It felt like the Giants had found a linebacker that they could keep around for quite a while. He then tears his ACL. We go through, uh, you know, this whole pandemic where not many media members are even 
around to be able to watch training camp, to watch the progression, to see how he's recovered from his knee injury, to see if he has the same type of bursts. But my gosh, Adam, Twitter makes it seem like we waived a guy that was the next LP. Listen, and that's, um, we were on there as this was exploding and breaking, you know, Ryan Connolly, and at the time last year, I liked him, but liked the little flash they showed before he had the injury. He was targeted seven times on defense, four completions. You know, he had a couple of interceptions. Did he look fast? Yes. I, I think for me, we drafted four other linebackers inside and outside edge guys as well. So there's a ton of youth, new coaching staff. You're you're looking to turn over the roster. And relatively speaking, you look at a guy like Ryan Conley and say, yes, does he have some upside and promise? Sure. Did, they came out and said, Joe Judge would have liked to have gotten him through and had him get back onto the practice squad. But I don't think that this is a make or break kind of thing, the way that some of, uh, we'll say, Giants Twitter has reacted to it. And, and ultimately, I, I look at it and say, you have to remember this. Ryan Connolly may have looked really great in a very small sample size last year. Remember what our opinion was of the linebacking core last year, right? <laughs> like, you know, remember that we were talking about Alec Ogletree and him being in there and saying that he was too old and he was too slow. So it is also the eye test can be skewed a little bit when you're watching it relative to the other talent around them. So I just, this wasn't a big deal to me. I would have liked to have kept Ryan Connolly, but it really doesn't move my needle one way or the other. I, this is a, okay. I agree. You watch him for two games in a small sample size. You had to like what you see. But as you mentioned before, you know, he was targeted a bit in the past game. He had a 57.1, you know, pro football focus rating, which is actually lower than all, almost all of our other linebackers. So, you know, it's a small sample size. You got excited because you saw some turnovers. I think that's really what the giant, you know, giant fans think about. But when you talk about team scheming every single game, week in, week out, they start finding some of, some of the liabilities on the defensive side of the ball. I would have liked to have him on the roster too. I'm not that upset. And, and the reason why I'm not that upset is because Blake Martinez was signed to play the position that Ryan Connolly was going to be playing anyway. Yeah. You can argue whether or not the Giants should be spending $10 million plus on an inside linebacker when Connolly was on the roster. I'll, I'll have that debate with you. But the positive news out of all of this is that the Giants seem to really, really like what they're seeing from Devontae Downs in training camp he, for every single person that, that has watched any snaps from him says that he's been a disruptor and that he is going to be starting week one. Well, the funny thing is too, and I, this is also kind of the, where I try to lend my mind as far as having confidence in the decision around a Ryan Connolly or any of the roster moves they make, you know, remember Devonte downs couldn't find, couldn't find time on the field last year for the giants. And I actually take it as an incredible positive, given how I felt about the coaching staff last year, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Right. I look at that and say, okay, that means that when Patrick Graham came in here, he's looking at skill sets and he's saying, yeah, we can use this guy. He has value for us. Now, does it mean that he is a pro bowl caliber inside linebacker to play alongside Blake Martinez? Maybe not. But clearly, the evaluation process is very different this year from last year. And I'm going to hang my hat, at least going into the season, on the fact that this coaching staff is better at understanding who they have in their personnel and how they can best combine that to make the most effective 53-man roster. Could not agree more. Don't want to belabor the point on Ryan Connolly. But I do think there's one other uh, waiver transaction that happened uh, kind of right after waiver cuts and, and when we found out what our claims were. Uh, we released Corey Coleman, yep. who we thought was going to actually be a nice compliment as that fourth wide receiver, you know, coming off another uh, guy, another guy coming off an injury. Um, we thought that there was going to be some promise there. 
And the you know because of a couple of wa- the waiver claims, Adam, that you can talk about, the the Giants decided to release him and have no intentions of signing him to the practice squad. Yeah, so the Giants ended up bringing in uh, Damian Ratley. You know, this is a player uh, again. This is even almost to me is more extreme than the reaction to Ryan Connolly because Coleman hasn't been on the field or healthy for the Giants. And it's unfortunate, but what he is now is a four-year starter, was picked in the first round by the Cleveland Browns, and just hasn't been able to either be on the field healthy, get the opportunities, whatever the case may be. And I think that in the same way, maybe around Ryan Connolly, and it feels a little more recent because he, he's only in you know entering his second season, but uh, Coleman is just a name. He, he, that's what he is. He is, he is flashy in name only. He hasn't proven anything on the field has, I think 66 career catches only has five, only had five with the New York football giants. Again, this is about personnel fit and how you think different players can best supplement, especially for the wide receiver core, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate and Darius Slayton. That, that's what the, that's what the end result is here for the giants. And also throw in the fact that Scott is still there listed on IR, I believe for the giants. And then Co- Cody core got added to that as well. Cody core goes to IR. He's a special teamer. So now you're trying to find the balance, right? We know that theoretically Coleman is a return guy and special teamer, but he wasn't being talked about that way in training camp. So that means that the giants, Joe judge, they look at that and they say, how do we create the balance? Who's going to go back there and play special teams? By the way, Golden Tate gets listed in the mix to be punt kick return possibly. So if he's going to be back there, then you're looking at the wide receiver core and saying, who's going to make us feel most comfortable? And if making a move to bring in a player like Ratley costs you Coleman, again, same, same, but different. It's okay for me. Let's see what Ratley looks like. It's all a question mark. And I would have been fine with Coleman and I'm also fine with Adam. It doesn't, again, doesn't move the needle for me, does not get me riled up. Adam, uh, we had talked about this before, and and we had put it out on Twitter. Uh, the feeling uh, that you know some Giant fans have about Corey Coleman, it's like you know when the Giants sign him, you're like, nah, I don't know about this guy. It, you know, it, it it reminded me of when your friend starts dating that other person, that significant other, that you're like, oh, I don't know, like why, like what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, they're like, no, give this person a chance, give him a chance. You'll see the real person. And so like six months to a year to 18 months go by and you're like, okay, you're kind of still with this person. So like, I'm now going to invest my time, my effort, my energy in getting behind this person, hoping that, that there's a, you know, everyone succeeds in this thing. And then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from under you and they're like, well, we broke up. Sorry, buddy. Don't know what to tell you. We're not friends with that person anymore. And you're like, well, I, you just made me like this person after 18 months that I never really was invested in to begin with, and now what am I supposed to do? And I think that's what Giant fans feel because, to be honest with you, Corey Coleman has had five catches for the New York Giants. So anyone that's like having this mass hysteria like he's a 100-yard producer, and he's also been released by three different teams before the Giants. So to me, like I, the, the hysteria around Corey Coleman is pretty funny, but I understand it because of the way the Giants have kind of pushed Corey Coleman even through injuries and through everything else being like he is a guy we believe in now by the way and I hope that Coleman latches on somewhere else and gets an opportunity because from the standpoint of of any player that ever gets injured and has to battle back from that I always want to see them get a real chance to be on an NFL team and continue their career so I I hope that for for Coleman on the flip side of it too when you, you bring up the analogy of like being in a relationship who's going to better know that significant other than the person that's with them So I have to trust that the Giants in this case are the ones that know him best and they understand how how strong of a relationship can that be versus where's the weak structure. I got to be honest with you. uh, My mind did wander there for a second about 
you know, when I first started dating Courtney, who I've now been, you know, now been with for for almost going on three years here, I technically was the outsider brought into the the Kelly and Andy combination. So, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing here, but am I? Am I invested in by the Kelly and Andy Makowitz tribe? Or is this really – am I the Corey Coleman of this situation right now? Because there's a risk here. Well, you, you haven't been waived by Courtney yet. So so <laughs> technically technically, you're not Corey Coleman yet. That's right. Um, but, you know, opinions could change. It, it fluctuates day to day. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I like to think that I'm, I'm the Devontae Downs of the situation, you, you right? You out of nowhere. Not a, lot of high, not a lot of high prospects. All of a sudden, he comes in hot. But but to to your point about uh, Damian Ratley, the one thing that the Giants have already come out and said specifically is we released Corey Coleman not because he's not healthy, not because we didn't think he could contribute, but because we want some more flexibility, flexibility and versatility across our wide receiving core, and it starts with speed. They really wanted a speed guy, and some Giant fans are arguing, well, Corey Coleman was lightning fast out of college, and it's like, yeah, but that was before a knee injury and multiple injuries and and, and a few years of trying to get back to health. Damian Ratley ran a 4-4-5-40 like a year and a half ago. He's 6-2, so he's a big body receiver that we also needed where Corey, you know, Corey Coleman's only 5'10", 5'11". To me, it's fine. It's it's your fourth wide receiver. We're, 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 we're investing in speed, height, and upside on a young wide receiver. I am completely fine with it. The bigger surprise was that they kept C.J. Board as opposed to uh, keeping Corey Coleman. But I, apparently they like what they saw from C.J. Board in camp as well. So that rounds out our – five wide receivers that we're starting the, the season with. Yeah. And again, the same thing with CJ board. And this actually is a great point that was made by, I believe it was art Stapleton when we were, we were getting back and forth with him on Twitter a little bit, friend of the show, art. Good to hear from you that we don't, you didn't get the same level from the outside looking in, right? We obviously try to keep ourselves as much up to date and up to speed with what's going on around the giants. But for the NFL as a whole this year, without having train, without having a, you know, preseason games, you're not getting as, as in-depth visuals about these players. So you, we may have watched preseason and seen Coleman out there looking okay. And we may have seen CJ board really flash over a couple of games in the preseason. You'd start to say, well, okay, listen, I like what I'm seeing from him. If we're going to have to split hairs here, I kind of get going in that direction because you don't get that type of insight. It makes it a little bit harder for the fan base to look from the outside and say, well, all I can go by is where I was last year. Right. So I don't know CJ board. You pick up this guy, Ratley. I don't really have any information on him. All I have is in my mind what I know of Corey Coleman and what we think we were going to get from him at some point. So that to me is probably why you get a little bit thrown off as you work your way through a very unique offseason around the NFL. But now we can focus on the team that is going to be here and not the players that have been waived or released that could come back at some point, you know, if there are injuries or different things happen. But. The Giants finally released their first step chart ahead of Monday night's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and it's good to, to, you know, I feel like we finally have a roster that's set in, barring any unforeseen uh, freak injuries or, or crazy releases by another team. I think this is pretty much the team that we're going into that Monday night football game uh, against the Steelers with. Adam, was there any surprises? Was there any likes or dislikes? You know, what were your initial reactions when you saw what the Giants released? 
Yeah, I mean, there's not a there's not a ton here. You're talking about you know Ratley gets listed behind Sterling Shepard and behind Golden Tate as the as the you know fourth wide receiver. Obviously, you're going to have uh, Slayton and Shepard and uh, you know and Tate be the top three for you. So that, I mean, that's kind of what you anticipate. I wondered if maybe Board was going to get into that mix because Ratley was a relatively late off the waiver wire claim. So he's not going to have a ton of time with the team before he gets that out there on the field. I, on the offensive side specifically, I was also surprised to see that Eric Tomlinson made it onto the active 53-man roster at the tight end position. It's not, it makes sense because we know Garrett is going to want to run some of those two tight end sets. So now you're talking about trying to have a nice complement with Ingram, Smith, Toyoloa, and then Tomlinson. But initially, we saw them stripped down to just three tight ends. And it, it was just a curiosity for me. How are they going to present it? And only having five wide receivers to start the season as well lends itself to saying you can, you can go ahead and give yourself a fourth tight end and just give yourself as much flexibility, especially when you think about the offensive line and potentially some just early growing pains, as we know, on the left side for our young rookie left tackle, Thomas. And then on the right side, where we're not so sure about, about Fleming. Yeah, I was surprised to see uh, Tomlinson on there. That means four four tight ends. We got some big bodies in there. That, to me, means that they do want to run the two tight end sets. They do want to run the ball. They're probably going to try to play two wide receiver sets more than – and maybe three, but they're, they're looking at it saying we'd rather have two tight ends than Ratley or C.J. Board um, out there, and that's just kind of the offense that Jason Garrett ran, as, as you said. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the offensive side of the ball – I know it's not necessarily a surprise, but uh, seeing Nick Gates listed as the starting center probably has most Giant fans excited at this point. Um, it's been something that was talked about throughout training camp is, you know, we, we re-sign him to an extension, give him a little bit more money, shows that we see promise in him. He, you know, he flashed in limited action across the offensive line for the New York Giants. What I thought was interesting, though, is the fact that Spencer Pulley ended up, uh, you know, being the backup and making the roster, knowing that he's um, owed a bunch of guaranteed money where someone like Jalapio, if healthy, could have signed for some kind of veteran minimum to be on the back of the roster. The Giants could have saved maybe, I think it was almost $3 million, um, had they cut Spencer Pulley. So it's surprising to me that he hadn't, he hasn't won the job over Nick Gates. You know, am, am I reading something wrong here? Adam, in terms of why Spencer Pulley at you know three million dollars of non guaranteed money is is still on the roster backing up at center. Well, the 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 ancillary piece to it is that Jalapio specifically was signed so that they could release him and then get him to the practice squad. So that's why they jumped to sign him real quick. Just the, that that you know weird NFL structure of how things roll. Now, when he went to, went time to sign him to the practice squad, he actually turned that down and decided to look at his other options around the NFL. So that may have just been a thanks so much for what you did for the organization. We appreciate you. That may have been the gesture from the Giants. And ultimately, Jalapio looks and says, I, I think maybe I could at least be the 100% backup or maybe find a position where there's an older veteran player that he could overtake at some point around the league. Uh, so the, the pulley piece, yes, you could save some money there. I think all things being equal, you just say we're, we're paying for the veteran, you know, for a veteran presence there just in case. And I th- and the just in case, by the way, is just in case Nick Gates gets injured. I don't see a scenario here because you signed Gates to the extension because you, you shifted him over to the center position. We know he's played a guard and tackle uh, in his career so far for the Giants. You've made that commitment to him on the extension. So I think that this is, you know, especially for Daniel Jones, this is the tandem of Gates and Daniel Jones under center. 
and you go forward this entire year. And hopefully what you get is confirmation that Nick Gates has made that transition and he can be that piece for you at that spot. If not, then going into the offseason, you decide what you're going to do. Maybe you look to draft a player, at which point that little bit of extra money you're spending on Pulley means that you have that guy there available for you going into next season. And then Nick Gates ends up flexing back out to right tackle, swing backup, that kind of stuff, because you have him on the money. So that that's probably the way I look at it. I will say I, I had hoped that earlier in camp you would have heard that Nick Gates was, you know, hey, he's our guy at center. The only caveat is that the Giants didn't do that with any position, really, as far as naming a starter. So I try not to read too much into it, and hopefully he's ready to go here week one against Pittsburgh because he's going to have a difficult matchup right out of the gate. Yeah, and, and looking at the offensive line, this is the first time where I'm not – completely cringing in the last few years in terms of wondering how our quarterback is not going to get absolutely demolished in the backfield. You know, Andrew Thomas is a rookie, but you know, having him starting at left tackle is something that I preached the second that the giants drafted him. I think putting him in there, letting him, you know, learn the ropes, not, not necessarily too easy starting out against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I like putting him in there and showing confidence and saying, you are our guy for the next 10 years at that position. Um, we knew Zeitler and Hernandez were going to be starting at the guards and Cam Fleming was signed from the Steelers. I mean, from the Cowboys specifically for this reason, he was able to play a little bit of swing tackle. Um, you know, he has familiarity with the offensive line coach Colombo. He has the offensive, uh, you know, coordinator and Jason Garrett. So to me, I kind of feel like we have some semblance of an offensive line. So I'm kind of excited about the depth chart and, and the release and saying, okay, this is kind of what we thought. And now let's hope that it, it, kind of comes to fruition well and i want it, we obviously are going to take a look at the defensive side of the ball what i'll say is and you know what let's go to defense first and then we'll talk about the highs and lows that we're potentially watching as we head into the season because over on the defensive side of things as you started to look over the the base setup here from a depth chart perspective I'll, I'll go to you first on this what did anything jump out to you immediately just in terms of who's either maybe a starter or who's number two on a depth chart at some of these positions yeah there, there's a couple of them uh don't want to steal your thunder but uh you know seeing marcus golden not listed as a starter you know maybe it's just because we signed him so late in camp but uh seeing marcus golden list, listed as uh you know one of the strong side linebackers at, you know number two behind lorenzo carter was a little bit surprising to me. Something tells me that they're going to be moving things in and out that, you know, could be only in name, only that someone else is starting. So to me, that was a little bit of a surprise. And the other one we talked about was Devontae Downs. I mean, he's kind of come out of nowhere and, and has commanded, you know, the, the inside linebacker spot next to Blake Martinez. So for me, this is, this is pretty surprising in terms of how, you know, the base defense has played out. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely, we've seen the jump here, right, for, for Devontae Downs from last season to this season at that position. The other thing, from a surface view, I love, and I'm not saying that I expect it to be any different, you mentioned Golden, but I love that that this even this new staff committed to Lorenzo Carter in the starting position there at the strong side linebacker, committed to X-Man on the other side there, right, because... These are, theoretically, these guys need to be some of the foundational pieces of this defense over the next several years, getting their second contracts when they come up uh, in the near future. Because as we said, you bring in Blake Martinez, he's a three-year stopgap until you develop the other talent around them. So that, to me, is important to see that you're showing confidence in them. Uh, right now, Carter Coughlin, my boy, is down there behind Marcus Golden. We'll see how that plays out. Because again, though, 
him being on the 53-man roster means that over the course of this year, you want him to learn, you want him to hopefully get some reps there at certain points, be a special teamer, and then you think big picture, right? Start to rotate your way up that depth chart as you work your way through the year. The other one for me, I I may have more than one, but specifically when you look at, this is a small, low-level one, but RJ McIntosh, he made it. He made it through the cuts. He made it onto this roster. And you remember going back to when he was drafted. He had that weird, fluky. Um, it wasn't an injury. It was a medical concern that held him out for his first year. He gets really buried down on the depth chart. Doesn't see any time last season either. And not unlike a Devonte Downs, this feels like a, a reclamation for him because he's now listed behind Dexter Lawrence there. So when a rep is needed, when a breather is needed, McIntosh is going to see time on the field. So that's, that's curious, curious to me. I'm trying to go positive and think, Hey, again, Graham came in and sees, sees way more talent and usage in this player than maybe the past coaching staff did. So that's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on early in the year to see if he's getting even a small sample size of reps and, and really making a contribution. Yeah. Uh- I was interested in that too. I mean, we are, you know, the, the line is really our strength. So we don't necessarily have as much depth there as, as we maybe would like with McIntosh Johnson and BJ Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, what I focus on and the area that I was most interested in and in seeing this depth chart was how the giants approached the secondary in terms of who they put where and who is going to be starting. So, you know, you have Bradbury, and, and Peppers, who were kind of locked into the cornerback and, and strong safety positions. Uh, you know, Logan Ryan signing late in the game. They said he can have the flexibility of being a quarterback, uh, but they really see him as kind of a free safety. He's second on the depth chart to Julian Love. Yeah. Um, and, you know, rounding out the cornerback position is, is Ballantyne. Was it, was it surprising to you that Logan Ryan isn't listed as a starter anywhere there? Yeah, a little bit. Now, I'll say when you go back and you think about how Julian Love looked when he had reps at the cornerback position as opposed to at safety. So his his best usage is in the deep in the deep coverage area over the middle of the field. So if you want to say, well, Logan Ryan has shown flexibility in his career, he's been used in different ways. Now you say, okay, let's put every player in their best spot because this goes to Ballantyne as well. Right. Played in the slot last year. Didn't look so good. Now they're going to use his length and his size, put him on the outside. So that's the best chance for him to have success early. The best chance for Love to have success early is playing in tandem with Peppers. Logan Ryan, you can say, hey, guess what? This week, let's go ahead and get you outside a little bit. Take on one of the wide receivers. Let's move you into the slot where you've seen a lot of reps over your career. Let's drop you out back in coverage where your veteran experience and having seen different schemes can lend itself to being effective in support, even against the run. So, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to be the big picture plan. They've said, and as Logan Ryan, I think, came out and said, you know, this is going to be MI6 classified need to know basis information about where I'm going to be on a week to week basis. He's like, and you're never going to know, which again, very new England Patriots of them, but that's, that, that's what I think you have to at least come into the season anticipating. You're going to see a lot of Logan Ryan. You just don't know where it's going to be. And, and I, and I kind of like it. It just means ver- it means at least versatility from him. It doesn't mean that we're as we're not versatile because we have a overwhelming depth of talent in the, in the secondary, at least on paper going into the season. But his flexibility means that we can try to take some risks with our young players and then supplement what we want to do throughout a game with Logan Ryan. And so that is our base defense as we see it. You know, we talked a little bit about the the line, some of the different surprises. We talked about the offense. Um, Adam, let's talk a little bit about now that this is pretty much set uh, for what we think on Monday. Any big takeaways in terms of 
places you really like, things you think the Giants may struggle with. Is there any overall large observations where you're hoping that we can get better, or if this position pans out, you feel really comfortable with something? Yeah, and I hope I hope I haven't said this before because I this is what I've just been thinking about and honing in on a lot. I've been having a lot of conversations around it. On the offensive side of the ball, we talked about Nick Gates. To me, it's right there in the middle. It's Hernandez who's coming off of a little bit of an off season for him. We all think that he was getting asked to do the wrong things in this scheme because he's a mauler. You want him to be a beast in the run game, but. Hernandez, Gates, Zeitler, who's been our best offensive lineman since we got him over from Cleveland. Up the gut, if you can be a wall in front of Daniel Jones so that he's not scrambling as he takes his five or seven step drops, whatever it may be, that's going to obviously be crucial. And if you can prevent Saquon Barkley from having to dance three yards deep in the backfield to give himself an opportunity to get upfield and make some impact plays, That, to me, is the foundation of success going into this year because you know that Thomas is going to have some struggles as a rookie. Even if we like Fleming and he's a veteran, we still understand, right? He's not the long-term solution there. So theoretically, we are going to get attacked off the edge a little bit on the offensive line, especially early in the year. It's not great, but even though you always say about protecting the blind side and worrying about that pressure off the edge, you got to remember when that pocket collapses – That's detrimental across the board, right? Having that little bit of space for Daniel Jones to step up and buy him the extra half a second so that the receivers can get deeper in the route so that a healthy Evan Ingram can get downfield. So if that can be strong, if that can look proficient from week one against a tough matchup against Pittsburgh, then I think that I start looking at the rest of the season with a lot more confidence because it means the core there is is as strong as we could hope it would be. So you kind of teased into what my key takeaways were, and it was it's exciting to see a lineup of Daniel Jones, Barkley, Shepard, Slayton, Tate, and Ingram. First the field time, at the same time. ever. <laughs> it's the first time ever that all those players are going to be on the field at the same time. And this, and that's why, you know, for all the, you know, maulings that Dave Gettleman gets for constructing this roster a certain way and saying this team stinks – you know, they, he tried to improve with Nate Solder. That clearly didn't work out. He's now invested Andrew Thomas on the, on the left side to try to make make it work again. You know, you look at people uh, on Twitter kind of saying that the Giants' uh, skill players, you know, well, yeah, they have Saquon Barkley. That's great. You know, a lot of people say, well, Evan Ingram's athletic, but he's never on the field. And then they say, well, the wide receivers are just meh. You know, what I find interesting is you look at people that really know football. You know, look at Mina Kimes, for an example. On Twitter, she was basically like, Low key, the Giants might have like a top five wide receiving core. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. knowing how good Slayton can be, knowing how how good Shepard is as a possession receiver, and and Tate has been around forever, being able to do it for years. So for me, it's exciting to see all of these different skill players with Daniel Jones all at once, with potentially a competent offensive line, means that the Giant offense that showed promise could score a lot of points this year. It's health. Right. It's all about health because you do have it with Shepard and you do have it with Ingram. If those guys are both healthy and on the field, I, you know, I, I've swung on the pendulum from Golden Tate's perspective. And then, as we've said before, I go back and I watch some highlights just from last year alone. And, I'm, and, I, and I start to get that good old fashioned feeling where I do anything to have them on the roster. I think that, you know, are these guys, as we said before, a little bit similar to one another at the wide receiver position? Maybe. But you're probably talking about having a collection if you want to, I don't say low bar them, but you know, here's a collection of, of B minus B guys 
But I don't know if every roster around the league gets to say we have three guys that could be your number two on a roster somewhere and you'd feel pretty comfortable about it, right? Do we do we hope that, that Slayton's going to develop into the true number one? Of course. And then if you want to go, you know, Mina Kimes low key, having Caden Smith there behind Evan Ingram, like all of a sudden you're talking about having a lot of dynamic opportunities on a play-to-play basis, throw into the backfield with Lewis there now with Barkley, right? And all of a sudden, you just start to say, listen, you don't know where this thing's going. And not in a negative way as in lack of talent. It just means you're going to have to be aware on defense. You don't know who they're going to feature on series to series basis. So that gets me really excited. Uh, and uh, boy, man, even just a top 10 offense would really would really be something to watch, especially as we know Daniel Jones in the second year. On the, on the Quickly on the defensive side of it, I would just say, um, if I'm going to, you know, hedge my bets here, it, this is, you know, shocker. It's Corey Ballantyne probably on the outside. I know that we have Logan Ryan there, but it's just about, hey, do we have a solid option to start the season there across from Bradbury? If that pans out, then Logan Ryan's flexibility really maintains throughout the season and it becomes a more dangerous weapon. If there's struggles there from him, from Ballantyne and maybe Darnay Holmes as well, then we're thin, then we're struggling, and Logan Ryan is being pushed into a very prominent role. So for me, it starts and it ends with the lightning rod of the offseason, which was Leonard Williams. I, I just honestly, I look at him, and I'm still getting into it with family and friends about, well, he doesn't get that many sacks. He doesn't have that many sacks. How are we paying somebody $15 million that doesn't sack the quarterback? And so I am waiting for the vindication that, like, you have to get a lot of close pass rushes and hurries on a quarterback in order to sack the quarterback. You know, Leonard Williams was top five in the league in that statistical category. It just didn't materialize to that last, like one tenth of, of the ending there. And to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons why Marcus Golden got a lot of hustle sacks is because if Leonard Williams is getting pressure and moving the pocket around, it allows some of our outside linebackers, you know, to be able to rush the quarterback effectively. So for me, I look at I look at that defense and I look square at Leonard Williams and I say, make me proud. Be the guy that comes out the first couple of games, gets a couple of sacks, looks like a guy that's really wreaking havoc on the defensive side of the ball. And everyone will say, well, fine. You know, we are paying him fifteen million dollars. He's supposed to do that now, yeah, and, yeah. And, the, and the goalposts will shift he'll, 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 uh, for how he'll, people feel. But that's my initial reaction. I'm looking square at him. Yeah, he'll he'll never. There's there's no way for Leonard Williams to have a year that's going to satisfy the fan. But you know, it's always going to be well. That's what he's supposed to do. We're paying him, right? Like, so it's going to be difficult for him. And I think you're right. If you see that impact, and even if it is again forcing the action so that Tomlinson gets through, so that Dexter Lawrence gets through, so that one of the edge rushers gets to the quarterback, right? It is a product of a full team effort. So, and I think usually on broadcast you get that kind of secondary detail on a replay of a sack where you say, look, it's it's the fantastic job by Leonard Williams over here that allows for player X or whoever to make that contact with the quarterback on the other side. So, yes, I like that a lot. I'll keep an eye on it uh, very quickly here because then we're just going to say that we, we know what time of, time of year it is right now. I will also say I love that both when you look, just think back, friends, to last year. You know, when we look at this linebacker core now, specifically on that outside, when you say that you have Carter – and you have X-Man, then behind them, you have Golden and Fackrell, and then behind them, you have Cam and you have Coughlin. This is the best that I felt about depth and experience 
at that position in such a long time. And you can go inside as well, and we have those rookies. But I just really love that. I look, I look top to bottom, three layers deep, and I and I'm excited about everything that I can see and about the players that are going to get on the field. And that's just that's just a feather in your cap. Take it home with you, put it underneath your pillow, and have a little bit of a dream about how much more exciting it could be to watch this linebacking core. That being said, Andy, what what, Talk what time what what time of year is it here on a Thursday in September? It is officially the NFL season, and it kicks off tonight. Quite frankly. They did it right. I'm going to say they did it right. There's there's a really nice, this is a nice, juicy matchup. You're featuring some exciting young quarterbacks, obviously, a Super Bowl defender on the one side, and then a young talent that hopes to maybe be getting there even. Well, I mean, listen, it's a, it's not, I, I almost went a, far, a little too far afield there because I forgot who their GM coach is, but still a really young, talented quarterback on the other side. You said young, talented quarterbacks. You, you forgot to mention rich, like very, very wealthy because yes. Patrick Mahomes' deal for was about a half a billion dollars, and Deshaun Watson just re-upped for about $200 million. So there's almost $700 million between these two young quarterbacks. So they're young, athletic, promising, and rich. I, you forgot to mention that. Not unlike the uh, the members of this podcast, you know? Uh, I'm not going to get into comparisons about who's making what between me and Mahomes and you and Watson. That's right. I compared myself to the Super Bowl champion and put you at the lower level, Watson. Uh, but it's going to be a very exciting kickoff to the season. Talk to me about... Talk to me about the lines right now. What, what are we? Where are we headed as we look into Thursday night kickoff? So yeah, let's feature Thursday night. And we'll give some predictions and and we'll give uh, our our one betting tip of the day. So right now, um, obviously the Chiefs are at home. The uh, spread on the game is a nine and a half. Um, so the Chiefs are laying uh, quite a bit of points, and the over under is fifty three and a half. Uh, Adam, any initial reactions to that? Uh, over, I'd say take the over <laughs> if it, you know, if uh, that's my first, my first and immediate one is take the over. Uh, the spread is pretty large there. I, I think the, the question mark here is Houston is a weird team under Bill O'Brien, right? Has made a lot of interesting decisions, uh, you know, sacrifice, given away a lot of top three wide receivers in NFL history kind of moves uh, that he's made. So, you don't know necessarily what this new offense is going to look like for them. So the battle is going to be interesting there. And, and you know, we know how high powered uh, Kansas city certainly can be. I'm inclined to say you take the points and you think that Houston can keep with an earshot there, but I'm not as confident in that as, I am about the over. I think the over feels pretty easy to go in that direction, especially opening night of the season with this type of off season. I think the defense is the thing that's going to take time to get going across the league. See, I kind of go the other way on this one, Adam. I think, the un- I think the under is the play just because teams aren't going to be in rhythm. It's going to be a little bit sloppy. You have to incorporate some of these new players into the offensive schemes. You have running two brand new running backs for both teams in terms of David Johnson for the Texans, um, you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for for the Chiefs. I just think while there could be a bunch of points scored, fifty three and a half is a lot, and also I usually think the first quarter of these first games, everyone's got the jitters. No one really knows what, what the plays are going to be. Like the first first quarter under is usually a, a good indicator, you know, early on. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like, but you're saying on you know, 28 to 24 and you're, you're in that you're sniffing the range of the over, but I know, I know what you mean. And those are big numbers, right? That's, that's, you're talking about both teams giving you a touchdown per quarter, essentially to get to that over point. So I understand. And maybe at that point, I'd have to say, if I'm going to take the over, 
then I'm also going to give the points because I'm then I'm going in the direction of blowout there. So if exactly. I'm that's so that's where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say give the points, take the Chiefs, and take the over. You're gonna say uh, go with the under, and would you stay with the Chiefs giving, or are you gonna take then you're gonna take those points with Houston? I think what I would do is I would take the points. I, I'm personally thinking that a teaser between moving the under up and taking the Texans is going to be the way to go. Cause then I'm basically sitting anything under 60 points and the Texans getting over two touchdowns. Right. Then that's kind of where I, you know, I feel most comfortable. The chiefs could, could go out and, and put up 40 very easily, but game one, week one, no preseason, a lot of new faces all around here. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time to get some of those big time scores you know, out of the way. Now we're going to, and we're going to do this throughout the season. We're going to have our Thursday night matchups tracked on social media. We'll have that battle as we know. I'm the reigning champion uh, going into last season. Very effective, friends. Very effective with my pick. So just something to keep in mind. Keep in the back of your mind. Andy has a lot of information. I'm more of a shoe from the hip kind of guy. I like to go with, I'm going to go with my instincts here. That's kind of my, so you, you pick who you want to roll with and just, you know, maybe, maybe take my track record from last year. So we'll be tracking this stuff as we head into the season, and then also doing our Sunday matchups and our giants conversations as well. So we'll have a real, we'll have multiple levels of battles happening between us. Yes. And a bonus pick for <laughs> everyone out there that likes a little bit of prop bet action in their life. Maybe wants to hit on something a little bit bigger than just a straight up bet. Uh, I know it kind of, Flies in the face of of what I was just talking about before, <laughs> yeah. slightly. Um, but I think there's real value at a, a player to score a touchdown at any moment in the game. Patrick Mahomes is plus three twenty right now, which means if you lay down a hundred dollar bet on Patrick Mahomes to score a touchdown, you're getting three hundred twenty dollars back. And I think you know his his ability to scramble, his, his ability to to extend plays, kind of makes it like you know it could be a little interesting inside the. 15 yard line. Like he always has the ability to get in the end zone. So give me, give me Patrick Mahomes at plus 320. I'll throw a little bit on that. Maybe it's a little bit of a hedge on my, on my Texans in the over tease, but Hey, football is back, baby. That's what it's about. Right? Come on. Is this, it's, it's week one game one. Let's get, let, let's get a little risky here. Let's have some fun. We will go ahead and get this stuff out there. I'll take a look at some of those prop bets and I'll include one in there. I'm not going to do it just yet because I like to go, you got to really get down into the weeds a little bit. Uh, last thing, of course, that I think we can get out of here on is, is your fantasy football team ready to go? Are you, are you feeling comfortable, Andrew? Have you, have you done your research? Is this the year that Andy takes it all down? Uh, I, I feel pretty good. I've, I've already gotten a couple of, of different mock drafts out of the way and, and just feel like I, I, I've got a pulse on, on the team, but with no preseason at him, it's a little tough because you never know who's going to be the guy that's going to come out, you know, crazy in week one, week two, week three, that, that you never even expected. And that's usually what preseason provides us that excitement uh, on those sleeper picks. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The first couple of weeks are going to be like finding those sleeper picks like normal preseason is. In years past, I, I've fallen into the mistake of, of the names, right? You, know, you always take whatever, Aaron Rodgers, and you always take player X, the wide receivers. So this year, instinctually, in a year when you have no context around rookies and they're not getting the level of experience that you want them to get, I've trended very young in a lot of my drafts. So I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing the antithesis of what probably people say. You know, trust your instincts, go with what you know, don't go too risky. I, I shuck that to the side and I say, let's dive in, friends. You can 
follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast, of course. And you can also download, rate, and review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. We will be having a bit of a, a bit of a show announcement coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And you can obviously follow along with all of the highs and possibly debilitating lows of uh, my fantasy experience as we head into this 2020 season. What do the people need to know, Andy? Football is back, baby. (laughs) And as always, let's go Big Blue.